everybody. I'm Jimmy. I am an alcoholic. I want to tell the time. I have no idea what I'm going to say tonight, but I know I need a, a, a more time to say it. So, uh, hey, everybody. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. I told you my name is Jimmy. I am an alcoholic. Boy, it looked a lot more full in the parking lot, but all right, you're all here. Uh, all right. Hey, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. Where am I? Laguna Niguel? Two weeks ago tonight, Sunday night, I drove from Malibu. I live all the way out past Zuma and uh, drove out to Covina, California to talk at the a and That was just under two hours on a Sunday night. And uh, last, last Friday, I was drove from Malibu on a Friday to be in uh, 4808 South Crenshaw Avenue in Los Angeles. That was an hour and 45 minutes in stop and go the whole way tonight. Just over two hours here to Naguna Niguel. Hey, I tell you that right off the bat to let everyone know I'm willing to go to any length to listen to myself uninterrupted for the next 40 minutes. Because I'll tell you right now, this is my favorite part of any meeting, you know, when I get a chance to go. I mean, I sit through my home groups, a one hour discussion. I sit there 55 minutes. I have no idea what anybody's saying. I'm just waiting for my five minutes because uh, I seem to get a lot out of it. And, uh, you know, the whole room could leave. I could be the last one in here. And I'll tell you right now, I'll drive home feeling better. You know, it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, first thing I want to tell everyone here, number one, there's young people here. I want to tell you, I didn't always look like a cop. This, uh, this happened to me. This was a very punk rock haircut when I got it. And uh, I've stuck with it. And uh, I haven't been able to let this, uh, let it go, Tom, so to speak. And uh, yeah, you know, I was, I'm a punk rocker and uh, God, I, this was totally, I got this haircut in 1979. Uh, you know, when most Tom, I'll tell you right now, Tom had a uh, mullet in 1979, <laughs> but I was a rebel and uh, God, I morphed by the time, you know, I was 20 years old, 19 years old. And by the time I was 30, I started looking like a cop everywhere I went. People call me officer, aren't you a state trooper? People would say these weird <laughs> things to me. Now I'm 63 years old, people think I'm a, I look like kind of an old military guy, right? I look like a military military guy. Yeah, people think I'm military. Yeah, I never been in the military. I, I did a short tour in the Salvation Army. But, uh, <laughs> I get no credit for that and uh, no stolen valor from me. And uh, I love AA. I'm not too cool to tell you folks that rooms just like this, people just like you turned my whole life around. When I was a young man, I love AA, I owe AA, and, uh, you know, this is the best show in town. And I tell you right now, I got sent to, I got sent to, first of all, they, and, and, you know, looking like a cop, they called me Jimmy one time, yeah, because I've spoken at every meeting in Southern California one time. Uh, I never, I never get the callbacks, but uh, like I said, I really enjoy it. And uh, <clears throat> I got sent to AA in 1975 by the... Half this room wasn't even bored. I got sent to uh, AA by juvenile court in the state of Pennsylvania. In December of 1975, I had to go to uh, 16 meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. In the uh, first eight weeks, I was at a place called the Coots Home for Wayward Boys. Not because I'd been arrested 11 times, 11 times as a kid, man. Not, not real criminal stuff. Like some of you guys I see out there, I wasn't, I wasn't a real criminal. Uh, but, you know, I've been arrested. Kid stuff, you know, typical kid stuff. Uh, possession and consumption of alcohol by a minor, disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, urinating in public, you know, all the classy things. 
one of those urinating in publics. I didn't bother get my fly down. Now yeah, just you know, <laughs> too much work. And uh, you know, I'm lucky. To this day, I'm really kind of lucky, man, that I never had to register as a sex offender. As some of you know, you see, the cops, they didn't want to get me. They don't want to get you for urinating in public. The cops always wanted to get me for indecent exposure. Luckily, I've got insufficient evidence. <laughs> so, you know, it's not all bad, right, Tom? I'm grateful for the little things, man. <laughs> Life is seconds and inches, and uh, yeah, is that enough? <laughs> Good night. All right, I think I've, I've worn the room out already. Five minutes? All right. I'll try to clean up. Hey, that's the beauty of tonight. I don't have to talk any AA. Our beautiful first speaker, yeah. Carrie, knocked it out of the park, talking all about whatever she said, you know. <laughs> That was fantastic, if I recall. Uh, so yeah, I'm from a broken alcoholic home. I'm from a broken alcoholic home. I'm not the only guy in the room and I didn't like school. Listen, my, I'm from also a Irish Catholic alcoholic. And uh, uh, my father left when I was a kid. My mother, had to, my mother had to go get a job, never had a job in her life. She had to get a job. I was unsupervised. I was absolutely, I just, there was something wrong. And I was unsupervised and I didn't like school. I can't be the only guy. Anybody else not like school? I should say, I like to go to the school in the morning, right? Go up where the school is, that's where the action is. Uh, it was a whole class thing that I, I didn't uh, gel with. And, uh, but I go up to the school when I was a kid, starting in junior high, when I discovered, unlike every other uh, speaker you'll hear, male speaker in Alcoholics Anonymous, I was not a, you know, a high school athlete, you know, I wasn't a world-class surfer, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania, I can barely swim, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm not an artist, I can't play the guitar, I wanted to be a rock star, but look at me, I look like a cop, so that wasn't going to happen, <laughs> can't play the guitar, don't sing, I don't know how to fix nothing, I'm not a techie, you know, I don't know how to fish, you know, I, 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 I unlike every other speaker, I showed no promise in anything, <laughs> but like burglary, you know, you know, my story's for all those who show no promise in anything, Tom. And uh, so, so uh, yeah, you know, but when I discovered drugs and alcohol, man, I was off to the races. I just loved it. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a glue sniffer and a PCP smoker. Yeah, you can tell he's shaking his head. When I got to A, I had that PCP glare. You know, like, oh, what is, who is he talking to? You know, I had that, I had that PCP glare. And uh on that duddy dust and uh, what was I saying? Oh, so I'd go to school in the morning and I was kids starting junior high, man. Oh yeah. Kids come and I went right to the front of the cafeteria which was the entrance to the school. And I'd go up there 8.15 in the morning. I'd be, hey man, got a nickel, got a dime, got a quarter. Come on, I'd go to the, the girls. Hey, got a nickel, got a dime. I did it literally the five years I was in school from junior high till 10th and a half grade. So, uh, you know, bumming money, bumming money. Cause back in the day, I'd leave campus 845. I'd leave the campus, literally get a buddy or two, sometimes a girl, I had friends in the neighborhood and I'd go sit to, I'd have $2 and 50 cents. I'd go sit behind the liquor store, Pico's Liquors. And I have a guy get us a run. Hey, hey, Mr. He gave us a run. I got having a party. And I uh, see the same guys every day. I'd say, keep the chains, give them $2. Cause back in the day for a dollar 80, 
I get a bottle of banana red, MD 2020. Anybody know what that is? I got that in the Duna Nagel. All right, those of you, those of you who don't know, MD 2020, it's actually a schedule one hallucinogen that somehow this stuff made its way to the wine section of liquor stores back in the 70s, man. It was like ridiculous. It was like having meth in the energy drink section because MD 2020, they called it wine. It never seen a grape, never seen a grape, trust me like rocket fuel. I was on the MD 2020 diet, lose three days in one week. And uh, sometimes I had to, get, oh, that was so funny. Carrie said she had to figure out, she had to learn the difference between uh, beer and wine. God, I was 10 years old. I knew the difference between beer and wine. It was beer and malt liquor. I couldn't figure out the difference. And then ale, God, it made me, you know, ale made me so sick. And I drank a lot of it. Sometimes I had, I'd be in trouble because like I said, I'm getting arrested. I've been arrested in the snow with no shirt on. Sometimes I'd give a guy $2. I'd give a guy $2.25. They keep the change because for two ten or $2.05, uh, I'd get a six pack of 16 ounce cold 45. And, you know, that, that doesn't make me a huge drinker. You know, like I've met guys in AA. I drank five gallons of whiskey every day for 40 years. I met these guys. And, uh, but I'll say this, you know, when I'm here, 13 years old, 14 years old, you've been snipping glue, smoking weed, and, you know, a six pack of 16 ounce Colt 45 at nine o'clock in the morning. I had a lot of rides home in the back of police cars. As you know, to get arrested 11 times, you got to be picked up 30 times. You know, most of the times the cops let me go, but I uh, got in a lot of trouble. I was messed up. The cops would take me back to uh, school. They take me to my mom's work. And I just, that was a truant long before I even drank and, and used drugs, but I really loved getting drunk. But my real thing, just like a lot of people here, my real thing was keg parties. Keg parties was, was my thing because, uh, you know, first of all, I never had any money and uh, you'd hear about so-and-so's house Friday night, eight o'clock. I'd be there at 6.15 with a pitcher, <laughs> ready to go, man, get my drink on. I'd be the first one there, first one, going to the front of the line. And uh, uh, these Zoomers are giving me the stink eye. Anyway. Uh, oh yeah, I'd be there. And man, I'm drinking like they're trying, I'm thinking somebody's trying to steal it from me. And I'm, I'm drinking and I know all the tricks. You open your throat, throw them down. And just one after the other, I just don't move. I get right in front of the keg, the spout is here and I'm there until somebody moves me. And I got moved a lot. You know, I was six foot, Three, when I was 15 years old, six foot three, 150 pounds, skinny and not tough. And uh, the older, bigger guys would, you know, say, kid, you got to move, man. There's 50 people in line. You're drinking five drinks. To everybody's one. I said, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'd have to move. Then I'd have to resort at the party to drink stealing. I'm a drink stealer at parties. He's shaking his head a lot. This guy, the real drinker over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Drink stealers? Am I the only drink stealer here? Hell yeah. Because, you know, there's cans and cups and bottles. Some people take their drink. Can you imagine at a, at a party, they take their drink. They put it down <laughs> with a ninja like me. Can you imagine? Hey, do you see her? Hey, say hello. You know, I'm. I can't see. Like, if I can still get up, I'm not that drunk. If I can get up, I'm not that drunk. But I can't see. You know, I'm, a, I got, I'm blind drunk. Happened all the time. I'm blind drunk. I'm grabbing cans, cups, and bottles everywhere. 
and there's a risk with it. Every third, fourth one I'm grabbing, you know, I'm wolfing them down. Oh, cigarette butts, that's right. Oh, man. They came out with them brown bottles, Roy. It's the risk you had to take. And, uh, but I can't see. And let me tell you, people hate drink stealers. I've been caught. I've, people hate it, man. They hate you. St they're stealing his girlfriend's drink. I've been beat up so many times by little dudes and chicks. And, uh, you know, it's an easy target, man. And a typical night, I'm having fun. I'm partying. I'm drinking. At the, I'm having fun. At the keg parties was my thing. I'm having fun. But it would happen over and over. Instead of having fun at the keg bar, all of a sudden, see, I'm not just a blackout drinker. I'm like a gray out. Yeah, I remember. I was over here. But now I'm at a whole nother party in a whole nother neighborhood. And uh, the next thing you know, I'm outside the party. They're not letting me in. And I'm bleeding. I don't even know what happened and I'm bleeding. And it's a typical night from Pennsylvania. Anybody else ever drink in the cold? I've been, like I said, I've been arrested in the snow. Yeah, man. Typical night in the Pennsylvania winter, I stumble home bleeding and I don't know what happened. I was having fun. And I get home and, and my mom locked the door. I can't get in the house. I'm scared because I snuck out. She doesn't know I'm gone. I'm scared to death to wake her up. So I sleep in her car. I did it over and over. Slept in her car. And I wish I could tell you this only happened once or twice, but it happened all the day. It happened a few times. I'd wake up my whole crotch from my navel to my knees, all through my inner thighs. They'd be red, raw, the skin torn off, gone. And red, inflamed, swollen skin all through my crotch. It was like, Oh my God, what happened? Who was I with, a stray dog? I mean, what, the, what did I do? And then I would see an outline in my pants and I would sniff and I go, oh, I did it again. I walked home with frozen piss pants. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Chicks don't dig that, do they, Christine? They don't dig it, man. I'm that guy. And the truth is I've been laughing, telling this same dumb story a long time. That was, you know, a long time ago, early seventies. And I've been mid seventies and I've been telling the same dumb story. And the fact is it's funny now, but when you're 15, 16, the neighborhood can't stand you. Cause I've been drunk stealing in my own neighbor's houses, breaking into houses. You know, I was a paper boy that when the people went on vacation, I got caught, you know, I robbed their house. I mean, it was just messed up, man. Immature, insecure, overly emotional. You're, you're nodding. Your paper boy robbed your house too? That's amazing. I thought I had the exclusive on that. I thought I was pretty clever until I got caught. Uh, anyway, you know, I've been laughing about it, but the fact is it was hard being me. I was messed up, really, truly messed up, immature, you know, really uh, broken, broken. And if I had any, and I was suffering from alcoholism. If I had the guts, I would have ended my life. And thank God I didn't, I would, didn't have the courage to do it because I would have missed the boat. And uh, I got sent to AA, man. I was living in this place called the Coots Home for Wayward Boys. And I wasn't there a long time because number one, I, I don't bunk well with dudes and I hated it. And I wanted to, you know, trying to get my life together. And 
I got sent to AA. Let me tell you what I found in AA in December of 1975. I found the same thing I found here tonight. Those old guys in AA were kind to me. They were kind to me. They welcomed me. And uh, no one ever said I was too young. Uh, no one called me a drug addict. They gave me rides. They picked me up. They'd say, I, the, the guy that became my sponsor, he'd say, I'll pick you up tomorrow for the meeting. And I'll be there at 7.30. He says, let me tell you, when an AA guy tells you he's going to pick you up at 7.30, he's there at 7.30. And even through my brain-damaged mind, I knew, I knew, I didn't know what the word was integrity, but I knew it, they, you know, these guys were legit. And these guys gave me rides. They gave me cigarettes, two, three cigarettes for the road. They were giving me, I didn't drink coffee. They're giving me AA coffee. It was all jacked up on AA coffee. And uh, then they take me to the, to the, uh, on the weekend, yeah, after a few days, they, on the weekend, they took me out uh, and bought me pie after the meeting and uh, talking, talking, talking AA. And let me tell you, like I said, that was 47 years ago next month. Nobody can tell me different. Kindness is the language of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's what's going on. It's going on here every, every Sunday night in Laguna Niguel. I felt it when I walk in, man. And I'm not too cool to tell you, frequent contact with newcomers and each other, it's the bright spot of my life. I get something out of this hour. These AA meetings, I just don't have it the other 23 hours of the day. I don't have naturally what I get from AA. This is where I get reminded who I am, where I come from, and how much this language, this laughter, this plan for living has helped me. I need constant reminders. And uh, so there's power going on here. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't stay sober from that uh, minute. Let me tell you what these old guys said to me. In fact, my, this old guy, this guy in my neighborhood, he had a gold Dodge dart with an easy dozen bumper sticker. And I used to see him. I got out of the boys home. I was still getting high, still smoking weed, still drinking. And, and, and he used to pull, he, I'd see him. I'd see him with the gold Dodge dart and I would hide around. I would literally hide around the side of a house. I'll never forget it. And he pulled over his car. He saw me he pulled over his car and he said, Hey, Jimmy. And he'd come up to me and he'd give me these big bear hugs, big AA bear hugs, cheek to cheek. And he'd say, Jimmy, I love you. And I think, Oh, this guy is so creepy, but he gave me a couple of cigarettes and uh, he said, Hey, we're saving you a seat. You're going to come back and see us at the AA. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I got lucky because this guy didn't want anything weird for me. This guy was an AA guy that was saving lives. And, and how do you thank a guy that saves your life? I, uh, these old guys would say, and he would say, and other guys would say, these old guys would say, kid, you are so lucky. You are so lucky to know about this AA at your age. They said, I was, these old guys would say, I was qualified at 15 years old. I could have been here just like you. I, my whole life would have been different. I wish I'd have known. I wouldn't have lost my family. I wouldn't have had to go to prison. These guys would say that. And uh, then these old guys would say, kid, you stick around here. You can't imagine how good your life will be. You can't imagine how good your life will be if you stick around this AA. And I never forget, I heard it a bunch of times and I'd never forget what I felt every time I heard it. And I thought the same thing. I thought, mister, you don't even know me. You don't know me. You can't say that. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. 
I had the opposite of the Midas touch and I knew it. I knew I wasn't like these guys. They were kind and loving and honest and generous. I knew I couldn't be like those guys. I was messed up, bad stuff happened. My best friend, smoking angel dust, my best friend went and walked, I was 15, he was 16, he went and walked in front of the Metro liner, high speed train, dead. Uh, and uh, bad stuff happened around my life. And I knew I couldn't be like those guys. And you know what? Thank God I didn't have the courage to end my life. I stuck around. I didn't. It, now it's like those old guys I know now. And, when, and, and I'll tell newer people, when an AA guy tells you you can't imagine how life will be, it's like I know now. It's like they were looking at a crystal ball. They knew the future. They were absolutely right. First of all, I was a... I was the only one, I was first of six guys in my neighborhood by the same judge sent to Alcoholics Anonymous. None of my friends lived to be 30 years old. My friends died in car crashes, heroin overdoses, uh, two guys on the same street going 100 miles an hour, dead, uh, uh, within a year of each other. One friend went to prison nine years and my life went different. I stuck around AA, my sobriety date is May 10, 1977. I celebrated 45 years clean and sober since I was 17 years old. And, uh, and, and let me tell you something, half my family's dead from alcoholism and uh, I don't have what it takes to have lived this life. It's very simple. I know where I got the power to have this life. My friends are all dead. My family's dead from alcoholism. And I have been because of AA, I've literally been around the world. I've been around the world. I've been a business owner over 35 years. I've been a homeowner over 35 years. I've had more friends and I have more friends than I can keep in touch with. It's not about me. It's about what's on offer in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm a member of AA. I've got friends around the world because I'm in AA. And uh, I got more love and more support than I could ever take advantage of. And that's what's on offer in AA more collective experience, more wisdom than any human could ever need. That's what's on offer in AA. Collective wisdom, everybody bringing their little spin, what, you know, how they got to AA and how they stay in AA. Uh, from my friend, Mickey Bush, I'll just say this, you know, you folks plus me is a power greater than me. Your experience plus me is a power greater than me. Your wisdom plus me is a power greater than me. And guess what? Our wisdom plus you is a power greater than you. So there's power in AA. And like I said, I don't have what it takes, but I've had an unbelievable life and I still have an unbelievable life. I'll tell you what happens uh, to guys that uh, got sober. You know, I'll just tell you what happened to me. I, I was uh, 17 years old, getting ready to turn 18. And uh, the same sponsor with the gold Dodge Dart got me a job. First of all, he got me back into school. I hadn't been to regular school in a year. Uh, I got into a different school and uh, I didn't do well. You know, imagine in 1978, you know, kid that's not drinking and using, you know, I didn't look like a cop and they thought this guy must be a narc. Anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and then he got me a job at Sears. I made $2 and 30 cents an hour. And I used to drive his gold. He got me a driver's license. That was the most amazing thing at all, of all because I wasn't supposed to get a driver's license until I was 21 uh, because some of the trouble I got in. And uh, he got me a driver's license and uh, I would drive his gold Dodge Dart and I pick up, 
He'd give me assignments to go pick up guys and take them to the AA meeting, give me these addresses. And yeah, you're laughing because it was so lame. It was so lame. You know, I'm not one of these guys. It was like 18 years old driving around. Hey, look at me, sober guy picking up old derelicts. You know, isn't this, a, you know, beyond my wildest dreams? Nah, it sucked. I thought, man, this is so awful. But I was desperate for a new life. I was desperate for something. And I, 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 you know, I got, I'm not one of these guys that came to AA and you've heard them, you heard guys. I drank 40 years, five gallons of whiskey every day. And I walked into my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and the obsession to drink and use was lifted. You ever hear these guys? I'm like, really? And you're coming back here? Why? Uh, because I got sober the old fashioned way. It was agonizingly painful. It's, it was awful. I was had chain smoking. I was chain smoking, trying to. Good night. All right. I'm used to that. Uh, nah, it was awful. It was awful. And you know what? Now I look back. You know, life is luck. Life is luck. I think maybe doing some of that stuff saved my life. This I did lots of H and I stuff. I was just another bozo on the AA bus, and I was active in AA. And I understood, you know, that, I, that, that maybe this was going to bring me a little joy because the other 23 hours of the day were awful, hard and difficult. But I got something out of a few minutes in those meetings. And I didn't know what it was called then, but I know what it is now. I got hope. I thought maybe there's hope for a big, dumb loser like me. And uh, I got hope and uh, I saved $600. I couldn't go to college, as you can tell. I'm like a D minus student and uh, I have to cheat to get that. And uh, <laughs> And I couldn't go to the military, you know, technical or technicality. You know, I'm a coward, Tom, and I couldn't go to the military. So I had $600 and I came to California. I thought, you know, yeah, you know, maybe if I stick in AA, maybe if I stay around AA, you know, maybe AA's got my back. And you know what? That's exactly looking back. I didn't think that then, but looking back, that's exactly what happened. If I don't drink and I don't use AA's had my back since I was 17 years old. And uh, I ended up over there at Ohio Street, 1978, uh, 79 at Ohio Street in West uh, Los Angeles. And back then there was 200 people there four or five nights a week. I'd be there all the time, four or five nights a week. And, and 50 of us back then were like under the age of 30. So I found other brothers and sisters. You know, I, I, you know my experience has been, listen, I can work the steps and I can read that book till I'm blue in the face. And my experience is that some days that's not enough for me. I have always needed and I've always wanted living, breathing examples of how to stay sober. Living, breathing examples of young guys and young girls and old guys and old girls staying sober. And that's what I found in Los Angeles, West LA. I had, I got friends. We were sleeping on each other's couches. I got roommates and uh, I went to the same meetings and, uh, you know, I got active in AA. I had commitments and I went to the same meetings all the time. We go to Monday night Kelton, Tuesday night two plus two, Wednesday night Pacific group. I'd sneak in. I never had a jacket. Uh, Thursday night, <laughs> Thursday night, the gong show. And, uh, you know, like I said, there were 200 people there. 50 of them were under 30. You go there last night, Saturday night, you go there now, 2022, there's 200 people there. None of them are 25. None of them are 25. It's all kids. The gong show Saturday night. It's a bunch of youngsters. And uh, anyway, so, uh, oh yeah. Then Friday night, 
I go to Rodeo Drive. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, a big dumb loser like me in Beverly, Beverly Hills, man. I was over there in Beverly Hills and uh, I saw celebrities at the A&A and uh, Friday, Saturday night, be back at, back at Ohio Street for a big speaker meeting. And then we go to a sober dance. Now we're hitting the 80s, going to sober dances. There were sober dances in Venice. There were sober dances in Hollywood, on Hollywood Boulevard. There were sober dances in the Valley. How about Laguna Niguel? Anybody here ever been to a sober dance? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, so you can tell the others. It's a whole new bottom that you hit in sobriety. Oh, man. If you haven't, oh, if you haven't been to a sober dance, you can't imagine on the dance floor in some church basement with a bunch of sober white people, man. It's a level of lame I never knew existed. But I hit them all, man. That's... That's where I honed my moves. And uh, I didn't quit 15 minutes before the miracle. I, I worked at Sears out here. I had a bunch of jobs. I you know, lost jobs. I go to punk rock shows. I'd be in that pit sober. And I, you know, I'd be so beat up. And the next day, I couldn't even get up to go to work. And I lost jobs. But I was sober. And I went from living in Venice to... Miracle Mile to Santa Monica to Miracle Mile and ended up in Hollywood. I ended up living in, and let me tell you, you look back and, you know, want to know what Hollywood was like in 1982. It was the absolute armpit of the planet. I was at Formosa at Fountain. And uh, I mean, it was rough. There were all kinds of ugly, you know, stuff going on. And, uh, but I had a little efficiency one bedroom apartment with no uh, furniture and uh, and uh, couldn't pay the rent. It was $250 a month, couldn't pay the rent. But you know what? I was an AA guy with a bunch of AA friends and I had two newcomers sleeping on my floor. And uh, two newcomers sleeping on my floor. And check this out. That was 41 years ago. One of them sitting right there in the front row, the second row, Roy Tate and Pete Lazo were on my floor, new guys. I was on the floor too, but I was in the bedroom because it was my place. And, uh, and Roy was sleeping on the floor and Roy and this other guy told me about a sales job. They said, there's a guy in AA that does the hiring. And uh, you know, it's straight commission. I thought straight commission, oh man, I gotta pay the rent. And uh, they said, yeah, they're selling tools. I said, selling tools, I can't even screw in a light bulb. I don't know nothing about that. And uh, I said, I, I, I told him, I said, I, I, it's never going to happen. I said, I, my plan is I was thinking, I would thought, because I lived between, I, thought, I told him, I said, look, I'm thinking about putting on a dress and walking down the Santa Monica Boulevard. <laughs> hey, I was young then, and, uh, you know, hey, I don't even roll that way, but 20 bucks is 20 bucks. And uh, I ended up going out, and a guy in AA hired me. The guy that hired me became best friends. We were best friends for 35 plus years. He recently passed. They hired me. And he said, when he was hired me, he said, you got five years? I said, yeah. He goes, you got five years? I said, yeah. I was bouncing off the wall. They hired me. Guess what? Salesman of the year. First thing I ever found I was any good at, man. I just wore, I just wore people out. They couldn't say no. Sort of like I'm doing right here in Laguna Niguel, right, Tom? That was my sales technique, man. Just power through. 
Don't, don't even listen to the objections. And uh, I quit that. I, you know what? I went from five years sober, never had a thousand bucks in my life. I never had a thousand bucks. Couldn't even pay my $250 a month rent. A year and a half later, I bought a house in Studio City, California. I quit that company because I learned, I hung out with sales guys and I learned business and I, and my AA friends, there were a couple of AA guys that I became good friends with. And I learned about business. I got the courage to start a little business. I was selling my companies called Rock Bottom Imports. I sold rock and roll stickers and pins and posters. And, uh, and uh, you know, that company I quit, the boss wanted me to be, be a sales manager. I could have grown with the company, got stock and everything. I said, nah, I quit. I'm independent type. And because uh, I'm a bad employee and I went and sold stickers. I, I actually did. I, I, I I had a thousand stores that used to buy from me. And uh, 10 years later, I bought a house in uh, Malibu, California, out at Zoom, I still own today. And uh, you know what's funny? I tell you that not to say, hey, look at me. I tell you that because check this out. That company I quit, that wanted me to be part of the company, Harbor Freight, Harbor Freight. <laughs> that my boss, the owner, Google him, his name's Eric Schmidt. He's worth $5 billion. <laughs> And I wanted to sell stickers, man, stickers and pins. So listen, you need any career advice, counseling and financial advice, come and see me after the meeting because uh, I make really bad moves. And uh, I don't have what it takes to live in Malibu. I don't surf, I can barely swim, I told you that. And then guess where I went? One of my AA buddies, I was in doing import export, had a nice little company. And uh, one of my buddies, AA buddy that I love, Danny Wood, he says, hey man, I'm going to Asia. I'm selling Levi's, use Levi's from Asia. He says, you know, I could use some business help. I went with him, we went to China, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, Bali. Uh, make a long story short, I stayed on the, I came back, leased out my house in Malibu. I stayed, in, I stayed on the island of Bali from 1994 to 2011. I stayed there 17 years and uh, I don't have what it takes to live in Bali, but I'm an AA member. I found AAs out there. There was no internet, but we had, there was a couple meetings on the beach and restaurants. I said, hey, I met a girl, I'm staying here. I opened a meeting hall, it's still there today. Over 20 years later, I uh, started a convention over there. It's still going on today. 400 people from 45 different countries come. Bali's close to, to Australia, full of Australians and uh, had, you know, frequent contact with newcomers and each other is a bright spot in my life. I, every good thing I ever got in my life, every good thing I've ever known, every good feeling about myself and the world around me, I got from Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, was very active in AA over there, got married, married a girl and had two mongrel kids that, uh, you know, grew up in a sober, drug-free home. And uh, what, did I say something? Uh, you know, how do you put a price tag on that, man? My kids grew up different than me. And uh, now my kids, like I said, I never went to school. My kids are both got scholarships. I'm not a good athlete. My daughter was all American. She's at Baylor. My son is a uh, 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 water polo CIF champion. And, uh, and, uh, He's playing D1, Division One water polo in uh, San Jose State. And, uh, you know, I don't have what it takes. I know where I got the power, man. I got power because I'm a member of AA. And I guess I wanted to end with one thing I want to tell you. One of my favorite things I read in AA 
well, what, I, got, I got no time, but I'm taking two things. I guess I'll just say the easy one. I'll tell you both real quick. I'm going to talk really fast. <laughs> the new guy says, yeah, I need to quit. Page 152. I'll paraphrase because then I can make it sound the way I want it to sound. Uh, hey, yeah, I need to quit. But do, do you have a sufficient substitute? I can't live with alcohol, but what am I supposed to do? What am I going to do? Be boring and glum and, and righteous like these people that I meet? And the, AA, and the AA says, yes, we do have a substitute. And it's a lot more than that. It's the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. He didn't say, You're, you know, the substitute is God. The substitute is the book. The substitute is the steps. He said it's the fellowship. There, in the fellowship, you will find relief from care, boredom, and worry. And that's what I was looking for. Your, he says, your life will mean something again. You, relief from care, boredom, and worry in the fellowship. Nothing short of continuous action as a way of life. I found just like Bill Wilson found. He wrote it in the 12 and 12 when he had 15 years sober. He wrote, nothing short of continuous action as a way of life can bring the much desired result. It's a way of life, continuously active. I've had, like many people in AA, a little trial and error. How much do I have to go? I got my whole life together now because AA, maybe I only need one or two meetings a week. Bill Wilson wrote, nothing short of continuous action can bring the much desired result. What's the much desired result? I want to be happy, joyous, and free most moments of most days. I want to feel good about myself and the life around me. And that's, uh, I found just like Bill, I stay active. I do a lot of AA because this is where Oh, I, I thought you were going to say time's up, but I got one minute. <laughs> yeah, it's all downhill from here. Tom. Anyway, I love AA. I owe AA every good thing I've ever learned. I learned here. Um, it means more to me now. You see, when I was young, you, you have to live life moving forward when you don't know anything. My plan as a newcomer was to let you AAs fix me up so I could get the hell out of AA because I don't hang out in groups. I'm not hugging. I don't want to talk about my inner child. Fix me up, get me out of trouble, and I'm off. Well, guess what? I've never found anywhere else that'll have me. I love AA. AA, you know, this, is, this, this program is perfect for me. I got a personality that needs treatment. I got a little emotional loose screws that need to be tightened up. I come into AA meetings, I get my loose screws tightened. I hear the path, I hear the plan. Carrie talked about the path. So that's where I hear it. I need to come to AA. So I'm out of time. Thanks folks for putting up with me and I'll see you next time.